When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Revived Thoughts is a production of Revive Studios. This is Troy and Joel, and you're listening to Revive Thoughts. Can you imagine the harmony when these white-robed Levites before the symbols of God's presence standing next to the smoking altars chanted the 136th Psalm of David? Every episode, we bring you a different voice from history and a sermon that they deliver today. We're listening to a sermon by T. Dewitt Talmadge, who lived in the late 1800s. This is not the first episode we've ever done with T. Dewitt Talmadge. In fact, if you're, uh, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently on this episode. Um, and so if you're really looking to hear the backstory of T. Dewitt Talmadge, if you uh, are hoping to hear that, I recommend going in your podcast feed and scrolling down a little bit, maybe even having to search for it. But go to our last episode we did on him. He has an interesting backstory. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Uh, he was a very important person in and uh, London, I believe at the time. He was involved. He apparently helped name the book Alice in Wonderland. So he's an interesting guy. I really think you should listen to the, uh, that episode. Certainly. But the reason we picked this episode, music and worship, the reason we wanted a sermon about music and looking kind of at art and the creativity of it and how Christians need to be involved with it, A, is that Talmadge was a very creative guy. And so if you listen to that backstory, if you've never heard it before, you're going to see that in his life. Uh, but B, we are kind of connecting this with more of the speaker for this show. The speaker for this sermon is Chris Wineland, and he has a new show coming out of our studio called Forgotten Hollywood with Chris Wineland. And so we wanted this sermon that talks about art and the need for Christians and how to use art and how to be in that world to kind of connect with this new show that we have because it, we're very excited about this show. We think it's uh, really, honestly, really cool and really awesome. But also at the same time, if you're a listener to Revised Studios, you may be kind of like, how did it, Forgotten Hollywood, like, what? Did, wait a second, how did that happen on this church history uh, studio? Like, where, where, How did we go from A to B on that with Revised Studios? Yeah, because it's so, <laughs> it's so, uh, different than anything else we've ever done. Obviously here at Revive Studios, we, we like to focus a lot on church history. Um, most of our shows revolve around uh, people, dead people, you know, d- dead people from churches that are no longer <laughs> with us. And that's kind of where we thrive uh, in that content. But I mean, we even sell shirts that say all my heroes, all my are, heroes are dead. dead. It's not because we killed them. It's because the people we look up to have already passed on. That's right. kind of what we're doing. But if you've also heard, like some of our revived conversations that Troy and I have, we're also really curious and interested in how um, these biblical worldviews and these Christian worldviews play into how we interact with the world all around us and how uh, those have affected industry and uh, businesses and interactions uh, over the past century as well. And that's kind of where Forgotten Hollywood lives in that space. He, he talks a lot about uh, the origin of Hollywood and, and uh, what its relation with Christianity has been like over the years and also in the comedy industry as well. Chris Wineland is a comedian and 
he has such a heart for the comedy industry because he is such a part of it so much so that he actually wrote a book in which he presents the gospel to comedians in a way that he thinks will connect with comedians more so because uh, he understands the way that they think and the way they interact so he has a, a huge heart for uh both media industries comedic industries hollywood industries uh and and seeing how the gospels intertwined with these with time for uh, it, sometimes in good ways and sometimes in manipulative ways and bad ways. Uh, and he's an incredibly engaging speaker to listen to. You know, he starts telling you a story and you're just like, tell me more. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious where this is going. Uh, so it's very engaging, a very interesting show. Again, unlike anything uh, we've ever done. Um, and, it, you know, you might, you might, it might be your cup of tea. It might not be. You might not like it, but certainly by this. Well, by I'm going to say it's going to be. You got to. You got to sign up and listen to all the episodes, and then after <laughs> he's finished his last episode, you know, at the near at the end of death, then you can decide whether you've liked it or not. And by the way, that was Forgotten Hollywood with Chris Wineland. Uh, there is another show called Forgotten Hollywood, but that show is not with Chris Wineland. It doesn't have so Chris Wineland. Don't want you. Who cares what they had to say? They're not Chris Wineland's show. And that's we've been very clear here from the beginning. It's got to be with Chris Wineland. So we hope you will go subscribe to the right Forgotten Hollywood. Uh, and, and we are not responsible for whatever the other Forgotten Hollywood <laughs> says. But I will say, like, I look, for me, because so, I know some people listening, they are all about theology and they're all about history. And I relate to you because I'm probably more like that, you know. And maybe you're like me, you're like, I don't even really care that much about Hollywood. And the fact that, like, it's not that big a deal to me. Um, what celebrities and stuff like that do and yet i always am astounded at the the history the insights like the businesses like the, that kind of side of things like the nitty-gritty details the behind the scenes stuff which chris does a really good job of talking about like if you're hearing this forgotten hollywood and you're thinking like oh okay this is like pop culture how did you know um what movies did charlie chaplin make or something like that and why they were important that's not like what it is at all it's really interesting stuff uh, just obscure I, I it's hard to describe go listen to it but it's really interesting detailed information about how these certain things that we live with today came to be and it's also really interesting too because as much as i would love for everyone's favorite people that they look up to to be charles spurgeon Jonathan Edwards, or these people that lived in the past, I have to be realized that the world we live in today, celebrity in Hollywood is very important. Um, at the time of us recording this, it's not long after um, what I think the internet has dubbed the slap. Uh, Joel, have you have you heard about oh, yeah. the slap? Oh, yeah. that, oh of I, course. I, I mean, I, yeah. How can you not? I feel like even even people I, living under rocks have heard about a slap. A, a traveling <laughs> well, and that was wanderer actually going to has... be my point that I was going to make. So I live currently in Cambodia, and within minutes of the slap, the world's famous slap occurring, kids in Cambodia are talking and arguing and debating about Will Smith and, and Chris Rock and the slap moment. I'm not here to give you an opinion on any of that because again it's not really that interesting to me what i am interested in is the speed at which that travels and how the entire world is watching and noticing what these celebrity types are doing and so even if you're not into celebrity i understand i'm not i'm really not that i can hardly tell about 98 percent of that when my wife like looks at a movie she's like it's got this person that person and i just look at her at the same time like well, and who are they and what tell me who i don't and she has to give me like their name 
name in a movie. Like that was um, the dude from Jurassic Park. Who, oh, okay, now I know who that is because there's no way I'm going to remember his actor or actress name. At the same time, which is their actual name, but uh, at the same time, I it's still fascinating to see how Hollywood became this monumental landscape changing beast that the entire world is, pays attention to. And it's interesting to hear that from a Christian's perspective who's saying, here's what's going on. Here's what I've seen. I've lived in this world. Like I've, I've been a part of this world. Here's how it happened. Here's how like the history of how they got to be this way. And here's where Christianity can interact with that. And I think it's really cool that he both tells you as Christians, like what we can do about this. Um, and also, again, how did we get to this place in the first place? Because the, it is this massively influential thing that the whole world interacts with. But I don't think most of us know how that happened. Like, how, how did these people, how, how did we all get to this point where we know so many of these people? And that, I, that, those are the aspects to me that I've really enjoyed listening to his take on just all these different things and explaining some of that stuff of like, how did we get here? And how can we as Christians continue to interact with it? Because I don't want to be endorsing of this kind of culture, but I also, it, to put your head completely under a rock and not even have any awareness of it mm. kind of cuts you off from knowing what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Some of his, so his first uh, season is a 10 episode run and um, some of some of the episodes are not easy to listen to. Some of them are really depressing and sad. But it's it is uh, which is a revive thoughts or martyrs and missionaries <laughs> listener. I'm sure that's not what you want sure. to hear. Oh no, yeah, they're they're details. used to sad episodes. But um, <laughs> but it's still it's still interesting at the same time. Yeah, and we feel really uh, honored to be able to work with Chris Weinland on this. Yeah, no, Chris seems, okay, so, like, for us, we are the fun church history, well, fun, we were the church history podcast, I find this very fun, but who knows, it's like, fun. who knows what the average person, yeah, they love it, it's fun, and, and to me, I'm like, we're doing this, and honestly, the studio is growing, we've been doing, seeing a lot of progress, even just, even just last month, Revive Thoughts had its biggest downloads for one month in, in the entire, you know, month, that's not a bragging thing, it's just, the studio is growing, I really love watching all that stuff, and there's a lot of good stuff that we have coming down the pipe, I am really excited for the summer. I was just telling Joel before we recorded that. At the same time, though, when Chris, connecting with Chris and his vision and moving forward with all this stuff, it's hard to not be like, man, Chris seems like, you know, he, he should be out of our league, if that makes sense. Like, Yeah, he definitely seems like he's made more for being that, like, engaging radio host compared to compared to us that like like there's a reason troll and i don't narrate the sermons on revive thoughts and it's because <laughs> when we started the show because uh, we were thinking about how we wanted to do the sermons in the episode and we're like do you want to narrate the sermons i'm like no do you want to they're like no like well it's just because we're not we don't have those radio voices and we would probably we be more distracting than helpful for our listeners um, I, mean, I don't we, think Revive Thoughts would be a successful show if every week they had to turn into yeah. me reading the sermon. As someone who preaches on a pretty regular basis at the, my current position, I, um, I I feel that sympathy for people. I'm sure it's not easy there's, to, there's hear, a finesse. to hear this voice there's come in. There's a finesse you know? that uh, <laughs> certain people have, Troy and I don't, but Chris Weinland definitely has. Yep. And he just, he, again, he was telling us all these different shows and projects he, you know, he's been a part of, but that his desire was to mix history with Hollywood. And this, not only the connection that we made with his show, and I was so excited for it, because again, it's a guy who doesn't know anything about Hollywood. Everything I've listened to, I've listened to the episodes. And as I listen to them, I'm like, I didn't know any of this. This is really <laughs> fascinating. Um, but the other side of it to me too, is just 
his heart, his heart for the gospel, his heart for using his talents. Yes, he just recently put together a dry bar comedy, which as somebody who doesn't know much about anything, I know that they're a pretty big name. And yet his desire immediately to turn that into a gospel project and just do these things for the love of God. And to, um, when he was explaining like this show can be used to hopefully encourage Christians to delve into the arts well, to live their lives out and to not be afraid of, not to say like not be afraid of Hollywood. Yeah, obviously Hollywood can you know tear you up, but to if you're there, if you're doing art, not to say like, hey God, I shouldn't use these talents, but to find ways to use these talents uniquely and all these different things that he's doing. And I was like, this guy just has a really good heart for God. Um, he seems to be in it for the right reasons. And it was really exciting to connect with him. Um, in that way and bring him a part of the studio and for him he was like i want to be a part of the studio like i don't we're like do you want this to be like produced by revised he's like no i want to be in there and we're like well we want you in there that we're so you're you're <laughs> in our you show in bubble we're 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 a part of a family here but no like not like that but like you're in this revived studio bubble with us so it was really cool and that's one of the reasons we so we've been working on this for a while um i've been excited to like hint at it but joel's like don't you hint at it because if it falls through we'll look stupid so um it's been something we've been <laughs> wanting to put out there for a long time and tell people about so we're very excited this sermon that we're going to listen to by Talmadge Talmadge is kind of engaging with this idea too like where is the music that points people to Christ and how how is it that we as you know Christians who have hearts and imaginations how is that not a part of just more of our lives that people don't just see us just creating more beauty and more art and more things um, and pointing all of that to Christ not just flippantly doing this kind of thing because he goes after that too of like the wrong ways like you know making sure that we're just entrenching our work in good theology and good art and I think that he does a good job talking about it. I don't agree with every single point Talmadge makes this you know you might not either but I think it's a really good discussion, a really good idea on it. And I thought, it, at the, and Chris Wineland reads, I think it all comes together really well. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, uh, he, he gets passionate in this in this recording. He, when he sent us the recording, he's like, let me know if you think it's too, uh, it's too passionate. And uh, I think it's just the right amount, a level of, uh, like, he, he, he goes all in on, uh, on the narration of this episode. Forgotten Hollywood has its first episode out right now. And so um, when you're done listening to this episode, search Forgotten Hollywood with Chris Wineland. While you're listening, and my, if you got a good podcast you know, player, as you're listening, add that, subscribe yeah. to the, or get it in Or just jump down in the show done. notes of this episode, and uh, <laughs> it, we'll try to link it over directly uh, in the show notes for this episode. Chris had a very busy week this past week, but he was able uh, to sneak away to record the narration for this sermon here. So uh, while not being recorded in the studio, we were excited to get his take on what Talmadge might have sounded like. Some of the best music is created under distress. The first duet that I know anything of was given by Paul and Silas when they sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them. The Scotch Covenanters, hounded by the dogs of persecution, sang the Psalms of David with more spirit than they have ever since been sung. In this day of gospel sunlight and free from all persecution, there should be a great multitude of men and women willing to sing the praises of God. All our churches need to be energized on this subject. 
Those who can sing must throw their souls into the exercise, and those who cannot sing must learn how. And it will be heart to heart, voice to voice, hymn to hymn, anthem to anthem, and the music will swell jubilant with thanksgiving and trembling with pardon. Have you ever noticed how the construction of the human throat is indicative of what God means us to do with it? In only an ordinary throat and lungs, there are 14 direct muscles and 30 indirect muscles that can produce a very great variety of sounds. What does that mean? It means that you should sing. Do you suppose that God, who gives you such a musical instrument as that, intends us to keep it shut? Suppose some great tyrant should get possession of the musical instruments of the world and lock up the organ in Westminster Abbey and the organ of Lucerne and all the other great musical instruments of the world, you would call such a man as that a monster. And yet, you are more wicked with the human voice a musical instrument of more wonderful adaptation than all the musical instruments that man have ever created if you shut it against the praise of God. Music seems to have been born in the soul of the natural world. The omnipotent voice with which God commanded the world into being seems to linger, yet with its majesty and sweetness. You can hear it in the grain fields. You can hear it in the swoop of the wind cutting through the mountain passes. It is in the bird's song and the thunder's shock, as well as in the brook's tinkle and the ocean's sway. There are soft cadences in nature and loud notes, some of which we cannot hear at all, and others that are so terrific we cannot appreciate them. The animal kingdom have their music, and the wind through the hay and drops of water are as certainly resonant with the voice of God as the highest heavens in which the armies of the redeemed celebrate their victories. When the breath of the flower strikes the air and the wing of the firefly goes past it, there is sound and there is melody. And as to the sounds of nature which seem harsh and overwhelming. It is like when you stand in the midst of a great orchestra and the sound almost tears your ear because you are too near to catch the blending of the music. So, my friends, we stand too near the desolating hurricane and the frightful tornado to catch the blending of the music. But when that music rises to where God is and the invisible Angels who float above us, then I suppose the harmony is as sweet as it is tremendous. In the judgment day, the day of terror, there will be no dissonance to those who can appreciate the music. It will be as when sometimes a great organist, in executing some great piece, breaks down the instrument upon which he is playing the music. So, when the great march of the judgment day is played under the hand of earthquake and storm and disaster, the great music of judgment will be played. Yet God did not hide this amazing gift from mankind, but in his goodness he gave it to us as well. For all artists were given their talent by the same composer, the poet, musical composer, 
harpist and singer, when they play, all do so because of God's grace to them. There were in Bible times stringed instruments, a harp of three strings played by fret and bow, and a harp of ten strings, responding only to the fingers of the performer. Then there was the crooked trumpet fashioned out of the horn of the ox or the ram. Then there was the sistrum and the cymbals clapped in the dance or beaten in the march. There were four thousand Levites, the best men of the country, whose only business it was to look after the music of the temple. These four thousand Levites were divided into two classes and performed on different days. Can you imagine the harmony when these white-robed Levites before the symbols of God's presence standing next to the smoking altars and the candlesticks that sprang upward and branched out like trees of gold and under the wings of the cherubim chanted the 136th Psalm of David? Do you know how it was done? One part of that choir stood up and chanted, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Then the other part of the choir, standing in some other part of the temple, would come in with the response, For his mercy endures forever. Then the first part would take up the song again and say, For him who alone does great wonders. The other part of the choir would come in with overwhelming response, For his mercy endures forever, until, in the latter part of the song, the music floating backwards and forwards, harmony grappling with harmony, every trumpet sounding, everyone singing one part of this white-robed choir would lift the anthem together, Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven! And the other part of the Levi choir would come in with the response, For his mercy endures forever. But I am glad. I am glad to know that all through the ages there has been great attention paid to sacred music. Ambrosius, Augustine, Gregory the Great, Charlemagne gave it their mighty influence. And in our day the best musical genius is throwing itself on the altars of God. Handel and Mozart and Bach and scores of other men and women have given the best part of their genius to church music. A truth in words is not half as mighty as the truth in song. Luther's sermons have been forgotten, but the rock of ages he composed is resounding still as through Christendom. There is an everlasting distinguish, distinction between music as an art and music as a help to devotion. Though a shaman composed it, and though a Mozart played it, though Sontang sang it, is it really any good if it doesn't grow one's heart closer to Christ? For we have appropriate songs and tunes composed in our own days, as well as that magnificent inheritance of church psalmody which has come down fragrant, with the devotions of other generations' tunes. There are no more worn out than they were when our great-grandfathers composed them from the church pew to glory. Dear old souls, how they used to sing! When they were cheerful, our grandfathers and grandmothers used to sing! When they were meditative, then the boarded meeting-house rang with songs of God's goodness. If they were struck through with 
compassion, they sang. When they rapped in visions of the glory of the church, they sang Zion. When they overborne with the love and glory of Christ, they sang Hosanna. Born as we have been amid this great wealth of church music created by the composition of artists in our own day, we should not be tempted out of the sphere of Christian harmony and try to seek unholy music. It is absurd for a millionaire to steal. A characteristic of church music must be spirit and life. Music ought to rush from the audience like water from a rock, clear, bright, sparkling. If all other parts of the church service are dull, do not have the music dull. With so many thrilling things to sing about, away with all the dragging out and stupidity. There is nothing that makes me so nervous as to sit in a pulpit and look off at an audience with their eyes three-fourths closed and their lips almost shut, mumbling the praises of God. During one of my journeys, I preached to an audience of two or three thousand people, and the music they made together did not equal one bird singing in the morning. People do not sleep at the coronation of a king, so do not let us sleep when we come to a savior's crowning. I will never forget hearing a Frenchman sing the French national anthem in Paris just before the Battle of Sedan in 1870. I never saw such an enthusiasm before or since. As he sang that national song, oh, how the Frenchman shouted. Have you ever, in an English assembly, heard a band play God Save the Queen? If you have, you know something about the enthusiasm of a national song. Now I tell you, that these songs we sing, Sabbath by Sabbath, are the national songs of the kingdom of heaven. And if you do not learn to sing them here, how do you expect to sing the song of Moses and the Lamb? I would not be surprised at all if some of the best anthems of heaven were made up of some of the best songs of earth. May God increase our reverence for Christian psalmody and keep us from disgracing it by our indifference and carelessness. When Cromwell's army went into battle, he stood at the head of it one day and gave out the long meter toxology. And that great army, company by company, regiment by regiment, division by division, joined in the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And while they sang, they marched. And while they marched, they fought. And while they fought, they got victory. O oh, men and women of Jesus Christ, let us go into all our conflicts singing the praises of God. And then, instead of falling back, as we often do, from defeat to defeat, we will be marching on from victory to victory. Glory in excelsis, which means glory to God in the highest, is written over many pianos. If only that, by our appreciation of the goodness of God and the mercy of Christ and the grandeur of heaven, we could have gloria in excelsis, written over all our souls. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever will be, world without end. Amen.
you for listening to today's episode of Revive Thoughts. Today's sermon was narrated by Chris Weinlin. Uh, you can find more about Chris Weinlin at his website, chriswineland.com. You can also follow him on his social media and Instagram at Chris Weinlin Comedy. Chris Weinlin is a little bit of a tongue t- twister for me. Yeah, Chris Weinlin can be a bit tough to say. If you want to hear him say it again, go check out Forgotten Hollywood with Chris Weinlin. Go and listen to our new studio show that we are very uh, excited about, hoping you will listen to and enjoy it. And after you're done listening to it, after you've gone and subscribed, you know what to do. You know what I'm going to say. Go tell a friend. You know, you may have friends out there who aren't that interested in revived thoughts. Maybe they don't, what, what do I care about history? But I bet you they'll be interested in some of the topics of Forgotten Hollywood, and that might be your door into getting them interested into history. So go send them over to Forgotten Hollywood with Chris Weinland after you have listened to it here. This is Troy and Joel, and you're listening to Revive Thoughts. Revive Thoughts.